The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey, this is Lowe with Soul Harbor, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Here we are, born to be kings, we're the princes of the It's 9.06, you're listening to Dick and Skippy in the mornings. It is the 10th of June, hanging out in the studio, broadcasting live from LSER Studios on IRLoneStar.com worldwide, Conrad's FM 104.5, 106.1, and then, of course, our Facebook live feed is up and running. Check us out at Facebook.com slash Dick and Skippy. Our special guest today is Dan Zintek. He is a fellow officer in the Montgomery County area, also hosts a show on Thursdays here called Crime Scene Today, where they go over crime scenes and also interesting aspects of law enforcement. Uh, Some of my favorite episodes here on Lone Star Community Radio are the ones they do because they do ones that go do cold cases. And they go go through the whole thing, and it's really good. It's really interesting. Check them out. And he also interviews local law enforcement and all that kind of stuff who are doing different aspects of law enforcement and so i'm excited about having him in today because we're going to have an opportunity to talk to him about what everyone's kind of figuring out right now and doesn't really know anything about is what the police do <laughs> and uh so there's an opportunity if you have a question for dan he's going to come in at 10 o'clock and uh so make sure to comment uh on the facebook or send us a direct message on facebook or you can call text and leave a message because i'll check those at 936-228-9368 Speaking of which, you have to give a shout-out to Mrs. Skippy, who's already said good morning to you. Well, we're getting more and more fans, at least their family, so they'll tell us how we really are. Uh, I do want to give... Well, that's an uptick, because in the past it's like, well, who listens to you? Well, not our families. Well, that tells you (laughs) about that. So with the addition of our families, that just helps our ratings. That's true. Uh, Helps our cred. I do want to let people know, uh, yesterday, the Friends of Conroe, with the Conroe Cajun Catfish Festival... Uh, has announced their lineup for their entertainment, mm-hmm. and it's pretty good. Uh, if you, I, they don't have it on their website yet. I don't know why, but if you listen to K-Star, the other radio station here, uh, the Who? biggest uh, K-Star country, uh, they announced that Aaron Watson's going to be the headliner on Saturday. So that was the only one I can really remember Okay, for sure. Uh, I'm surprised they don't have the list on their website. So I'll talk to our friends. Try refreshing the page. I did. I've done that. Uh, I'll try. I'll talk to Christy. Who's involved with the friends of Conroe and complain to her. Cause I bet she loves people complaining to her. She does. She told me about that kind of stuff, but, uh, mark your calendars. I believe it is October, uh, 9th through the 11th for the catfish festival. So that is being planned. And I also read 
that AMC and other major theater outlets for movies have planned to open sometime in July. Uh, one of the movies I've been looking forward to, Bill and Ted, uh, the, the sequel, had they released a trailer, and mm-hmm. then they announced they're going to be out, I believe it's August 23rd. So that might be the first movie I go see. I don't know if you saw the trailer. I did. Bill and Ted face looks, the music. It looks a lot of, like a lot of fun, and I think if they approach it... The, the screenplay, when I was reading the little, what do you call it, the one-cheater, it sounded really interesting because they somehow connected what their past movies have done and made it made it like an actual musician kind of theme where it's like, hey, you didn't you didn't really come up to be who you were supposed to be. What happened to you? So there has been's, you know, and that's kind of the joke. And then they have kids and they're just kind of like still rocking, but you know, rocking in smaller venues and stuff. And uh, it sounded like a lot of fun, potentially to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that movie. I bet that movie does really well just because of people want to go back to people the want theater. some escapism, some nostalgia. Uh, it's funny when you have films of that kind that they'll say in the future, you you, you know, you're going to do something when you're young and it's going to change the world. Or from this point on, things are going to change. And then in reality, life goes on and it doesn't happen. So they have to kind of retcon it and explain it. Uh, I noticed that in the, uh, the man of steel movie, which I'm not a fan of, but they explained why like nine 11 happened in this universe. Cause he left for, you know, five years, whatever, to go find Krypton. And so all these things happened in his absence. So they had to kind of retcon that. With Bill and Ted, their concert was supposed to change the world. Obviously, the world hasn't changed. So now it's like, well, this is why not. Oh, there, there's the, uh, there's a, is, that, is that the actual trailer? Is that just a screenshot? That's a screenshot. That's, uh, they go in the future to steal the song that they're supposed to make that changes the world. Which is the entire the basis of the first movie. Hey, if we go, remind yeah. ourselves to put the garbage can here. But this is the future Bill and Ted that we're looking at because they lost their way and they're in prison. Oh, is and, that? I didn't and, even realize that. Yeah, so when I saw that, I was like, okay, this movie's going to be a little wild. I like it. So I'm, I'll, that's that's one thing I'm definitely looking forward to. <laughs> I missed that. I, I figured you'd enjoy that. But uh, that's future Bill and Ted. Because I'm looking forward to way. the uh, the James Bond movie that they were literally going to release yeah. like the next day, and they're like, nope, nope, coronavirus, we're, we're not going to release it. So I, that's what I'm looking forward to. In fact, I've watched all the Daniel Craig movies in order kind of to, to build myself up for it. I like them better than I remember. There were two that I loved. And two that the people who directed are top-notch directors, and the story... And we didn't we have this argument where like Marvel movies don't really have a plot, and then like the, the James Bond has the same like setting, but the plots are always interesting enough to keep you going through the whole movie. It's a procedural, you know. You have the envelope, and you put in a bit of this. You, you put yeah, in the two women. Superhero movies have the same kind of thing. It's like oh, we have an origin story, and then we yeah, have and it. it's a trope. Uh, but just like the Star Wars movies, I felt that every other Daniel Craig James Bond movie was good, and every other one was bad. Uh, you know, I thought Casino Royale and Skyfall were excellent, and I thought Quantum of Solace I like Quantum and Spectre sucked. But then when I rewatched them, I appreciated the two that I didn't like yeah. a lot more. So I'm looking forward to that oh, movie, too. Well, they're not too. bad. I thought they were. I, my memory like, said they were actually bad? bad, but when I rewatched yeah. them, I was like, oh, this isn't bad. It yeah, just, these are bad. I think, to me, it just they paled in comparison to their predecessor. Because I thought Casino Royale was almost the perfect movie. So you'd like this because you're all about the obscure TV shows. Did you know A League of Their Own had their own TV show? 
did it make it past pilot stage? No, it had like seven episodes. Did it really? Yeah, what's funny is uh, we uh, Hall and I watched. I haven't seen that movie in a while, and they celebrated like I don't know their thirtieth anniversary or something like that. And it got me thinking about you know this is an interesting story because the the people who made the movie really did a good job in like propping up the ladies of baseball. It wasn't just about Gina who Davis. played the Tom Hanks character. I, I got to uh, play their I'll, TV. I'll versions. open it up here in a bit and show you because what's interesting is. What they did, if anyone remembers A League of Their Own... There's no crying in baseball! They're, they're, the good characters are in it, but they don't do any of this this typical movie stuff where the people fall in love and you know and all that this kind of stuff. This was a wonderfully made yeah, so female empowerment movie. I was reading about the TV series. Well, in the first two episodes, apparently Bill neglects Betty or, the, you know, Gina Davis's character, and so she goes on a date, date with uh, Jimmy. And I'm like, man, they really just wanted to... The people wanted to see that, so they, they changed the TV show for it. I, that, I enjoyed that. That is the most misguided attempt at a TV series ever since, and I am not joking. It's you in the check it out. 25th anniversary the edition. The third episode's about them getting a chimpanzee as a mascot. Oh, my Lord. Are so, you kidding me? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, Lord. There are just some shows that actually they film, even if it's just the pilot, that you wonder who thought this was a good idea. And I actually saw this TV episode this pilot that had been shot because it was on the 25th anniversary DVD of this movie. You've seen Blazing Saddles. Yes. Blazing Saddles, you may know, was taken from an original screenplay called Black Bart. Okay. And then Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor and Mel Brooks kind of all got together and because Richard Pryor was going to be the sheriff. Okay. And then he didn't. They gave it to Cleon Little instead. And they turned it into Blazing Saddles. What's the story behind that? Well, frequently it's what happens. You know, someone will submit a screenplay that's no, why, why replace a person who was working on it? And then? Oh, back then it could have been because Richard Pryor, uh, you know, that's when he was heavy into drugs, unfortunately. Okay. I was curious. You know, so it's just sometimes or it could just be scheduling. You don't know. But it did become Cleavon Little. Well, since Black Bart was a different entity, they decided to do a TV series of Blazing Saddles, but, but they had to call it, it Black Bart. Bart yeah. And so they got the pilot episode on where Lou Gossett Jr. plays the sheriff, you know, the Cleveland yeah. Little character. And the whole premise is that they were pretending that it, all the language and and hair and situations were 1970s, but just transplanted to the 1870s. So they thought it would be, you know, hey, my brother, what's up? In the Old West, and that was their idea of humor. And the whole thing was terrible. It hit the mark. Or no, missed the mark. It, it, missed, missed the mark. it missed every mark. But you got to watch it just to say you did. Yeah. Like, this kind of like the Star Wars the, Christmas special. Oh, Lord. Just because it had, Even Luke, I love how for a while Lucas was saying, no, there was no Star I look, I've still got the Starlog magazine that interviewed B. Arthur. Well, you know that it. guy was sitting there and how successful that first movie was. Like, man, we're, we could make so much money from this. How are we going to make it? we got to keep it going. And, and especially how hard it was probably to make the first one just because of the special effects and all that kind of stuff. I imagine they're like, oh, we got to do something cheap and fast to keep us into the new, in the new cycle. And oh, yeah. That's probably what they did. Well... You're young, so you, you probably weren't even alive for this, but I remember there was just this rash of dance, like on the variety shows. They'd have a Luke and Leia look-alike with stormtroopers dancing behind them. doing I it. Uh, Mark Hamill in this glorious Japanese, German or Japanese commercial, I can't remember, about something where he's in this 
Silver LeMay, Wilma Deering jumpsuit. And nowadays he says, if I'd known that the internet would one, one day exist, I never would have done that commercial. But it was everywhere. But it paid. So I, many I people. I see no problem with that. I can't think of the last time that a movie so ubiquitously just enamored and enraptured everybody. Star Wars was Everywhere, everyone well, was saying. I mean, you could say the force be you with could you. say the Marvel Endgame kind of did, but even then, the I would say you get your high points like the, the Marvel movies or even the Lord of the Rings, where we would stand in line for a couple of hours. But we're talking Star Wars; the line wrapped around the block for twenty four hours. And I mean, I but you. when then you left, you went out and you would make lightsabers out of you know, gift wrapping tubes or fluorescent lights or yeah. something, and you just breathed That's really it. smart. I like the And you told idea. everyone, may the force be with you, and you weren't considered a nerd. Well, you were considered a nerd, but it was socially acceptable. It just was everywhere. We ate it up so much. Fair enough. Well, in other news, uh, I wanted to, to kind of talk about what's been happening. We, uh, we had a show Monday, and we're going to have a show Friday. And nothing's really changed. I know there's been a lot of police talk, and we're going to talk about that at 10 o'clock, so we don't want to ruin it for mm-hmm. that. Uh, the movie theater thing was kind of a big deal to me. I was like, oh, finally they're going to start figuring that out, which is which is kind of nice. Stage theaters are going through the same thing. There's a lot of angst going on. Some theaters have they announced, okay, we're going ahead in August. You know, we're starting auditions now. And then this morning, one of them said, because of the surge in COVID-19, that seems to be a direct result of the protest, we have to push it off. So, unfortunately, every time a theater does that, we're on, we're off, we're on, we're off. You well, know, it did, can you, did you see our buddy, the, our buddy Eric Yallick got charged with throwing an egg or I've, something locally here? He's yeah. Running for, I want to try to get him in because, I mean, it's like we need to have an intervention with this guy. Like, hey, you're just you're destroying your own self kind of thing. we got to have a talk with him. It, <sighs> Yet he is on everyone's, well, not everyone's lips, but, you know, he is a major headline right now. In fact, it, it even made it into the New York Post, the story. Are you serious? Yeah, I read it this morning. Well, do you get the New York Post delivered? I spend an hour every morning on the potty, yes, going an through. An hour? Multiple news. I wake That's up. That's how you get wounds, dude. Holly tells me all the time, if you lay still for that long, you got to. Who you says I lay still? I, I shift. Oh, okay. Now we're getting really, really, uh. <laughs> I yaw and I pitch and I roll. But no, I read uh, uh, multiple news sources. Believe it or not. Infowars.com? No, I go to the source. I'll go to Reuters. (laughs) I'll go to BBC. Go to Fox News. So that's news. So he threw an egg, right? That, like, that's. It's all hearsay so far. Like there wasn't. Oh no vi- no no. He. There, well, no, I'm saying there wasn't video footage or anything. It's it, just no, like, it's not here. He admitted to it. It's not hearsay. If the I, guy says I I threw it, but it was an April Fool's joke, and then April Fool's it, on when did this happen? April Fool's Day. Oh, this story's now just getting out. Yes, and here's the thing. What? You know, I have another That's gig. Confusing to me. We were talking about this, and I had missed it somehow for, for all well, the my way news I read sniffing. it. It happened like over the weekend. That's the way they made it sound. No, Keo. For, for those who don't know, there's a local... I can't really read well, so... I'll say political figure, Eric Yalek. He's run for some judgeship positions. Well, he, he has the uh, Golden the Hammer, Golden man. Hammer. Everyone needs... It's like our local Infowars. He's an activist attorney who... Would you say it's like the local Infowars? Yeah. I would... No, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. He didn't have his own show, so he, like you don't get the whole shebang Alex Jones offers. Because Infowars is bigger than just Alex Jones. There's like... They sell a bunch of random stuff. 
that has nothing to do with health, but they try to make it's it's like a, he's like a snake oil salesman kind of thing. I don't think Eric does that, does he? Well, I don't know, but according to my wife, he snores. I want to know how she knows. That's this. weird. Uh, but okay, so in April Fool's Day, he decided to throw an he t- egg. He took an egg to Keo's one egg car. Well, apparently, now the story's kind of iffy. You met last heard about Eric Yolik in the news. He was the one, and again, it made national news with him going door to door, taking other taking people's, other people's I would do the same. hangers off and putting his on. But again, the stories would change. Well, they were wet. Is they it illegal crumpled. to do that? I don't know. That'd be interesting. Because why wouldn't know. you do that? Like, I don't want people voting for this dude. But the, the thing was that he was taking off Congressman Kevin Brady's door hangers. Yeah, he don't, he's like, vote for me. I want to be yeah, the but they only one. But they weren't running for the same but office. You, you only have so much brain ticket. capacity, man. So you only get one for Eric. <laughs> so with this, he took an egg. His his motives have, in his own words, changed. But basically, he said he was going to give Keo County Judge Mark Keo an egg to symbolize you laid an egg with your lockdown orders. And remember, uh, Yalek also gives out literal golden hammer. He'll, that's he'll what take it's a hammer. His newspaper online. But he'll take a hammer and he'll hammer. spray paint it gold, and then they wouldn't let him take it in the courthouse because it was a weapon, so he got foam hammers yeah. made, and he passes them out to people. So he's always been that kind of P.T. Barnum show thing. And yeah, I love he it. got inspired in the moment, according to him, to just throw it on egg throw an egg on Keo's car, and then he cleaned it up and offered to give Keo 20 bucks for a car wash. For so a this car all wash. happened in one sitting. This wasn't Yeah, like- this was in front of Keo. Well, Keo, according to Yalek, they kind of laughed and hugged and went their separate ways, but then Yalek says he was shocked that he was later served with a citation or something over this. Uh, well, Eric, you got to be wearing those body cameras, dude. I feel like everyone needs to be wearing Oh, that's the thing. Now, the reason why it's taken a while to get here is Keo went to authorities and asked, what's the statute of limitations on, on this? Because this is when COVID was doing its thing. And so he, he knew he learned there was a two-year statute of limitations. So he waited for How a bit. How is this not petty? Well, being petty isn't a crime. Well, I, no, I'm saying in the, on the Mark Keo sense. Like, if some guy came up and would, threw an egg at my car but then cleaned it, and then offer $20, like, and I knew the person. I'd be like, all right, man, that was kind of weird that you did that, but thanks for cleaning the, it up. Like, here's, oh, oh, hold on. I may, I may have more two things in my head. Right, that good, happened. Good, because I was like, that doesn't make Well, no, sense. no, no. This happened just before April Fool's Day, because the April Fool's Day, well, the tipping point came on April Fool's Day. I'm sorry, I'm remembering this now. The egg happened shortly before that, but COVID was going on. Well, I don't care about April Fool's. I mean, if you But then on April Fool's point, Day... Yalek through the Golden Hammer did a story, which is satire, about Keo, and I'm trying to remember, maybe becoming a Nazi. or I, I can't remember, but basically. Well, now you're adding more to it. Are you working for the New York Times? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's why I'm just going to that's pretend I, I never said it earlier. No, he wrote we something. We need the full story here now. On April Fool's Day, he wrote something about Keo uh, sending in troops or something like that, and apparently that's what tipped Keo over the, okay, I'm shutting this down. I'm filing charges. So in October, Eric Yalek, Eric Yalek's hearing is slated for October, and of course we have a November election that he's still on. He's in a runoff election with Santini, I think is the yeah, name. he's in the studio actually for judge of the uh, fourth. He was on Margie's show on Monday. Okay, so I'm going to try to get him in. There we go. He's very. He seems very uh, energetic. I like his energy. Cool. He brings. I don't know if that's important for a judge. But always imagine a judge not saying anything for four hours straight, and then. 
Whenever you're out of order, hey, that's, Dick, it. that's I, pretty much it. I want to let you know that at this moment, we are worldwide. I have a dear family friend, Gislaine, who uh, lives in England, and she is French, and she's listening what time to us is right that? now. Uh, they're what, like six hours behind? Five or six hours ahead of us. Oh, ahead of us. Yeah. Oh, Singapore is behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Singapore and Australia are 13 hours behind us. Yeah. That's where Holly's uh, sister lives, so... It's really confusing when we have uh, FaceTime conversations. I have no idea what time it is there. And it's just one of those things that I would never able to get used to. I told you the two times I flew to Australia, how it'll just totally mess with you. It was from Houston to Moscow, which was a 12-hour flight. That's gross. Where you're heading into basically tomorrow because you're, you know, you're flying east. Okay. You're time traveling. I like it. Okay. You land in Moscow. You got to stay there for like two or three hours while they take you off the plane, sweep the plane for bugs. Basically, oh, this is back in the 80s. No, no. This was just a few years ago. Where, But they're very serious about um, protection in Russia. You go off. They search everything. You get back on the same plane. Then you fly another 12 hours uh, from Moscow to Singapore. Which now, now when I landed in Moscow, because it was springtime, it was like March when I did there. So I left Houston in March, landed in Moscow where both the snow was up to your neck because it's the dead of winter there. And then 12 hours after that, you land in Singapore where it's, you know, 212 degrees of 300% humidity. It's just the most sticky, humid place in the universe. But the airport is most awesome. You're there for a few hours and you hop a little flight from Singapore down to Perth. And you're 13 hours, even though you've been heading forward in time because you crossed the international date line, you're now 13 hours behind when you, where you left off. So, I'm glad we have phones that automatically update, that's for sure. Right? So I wouldn't deal with that. But yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? we got 30 minutes. I'm good. I'm, I'm just... Oh, you're done? All right, well, we're going to shut the show down until uh, Dan... Yeah, right. right. No, I'm, I'm looking. Brett says technically... Singapore is 13 hours ahead of, uh, 11 hours ahead of us. If, I, if I've been saying behind, I may have second-guessed myself, but I'm pr- pretty confident it's 13 unless we're talking right now the daylight saving. Well, they might be Sorry. ahead. I just know there's a there's like half a day difference between the, her sister and us, and, I, and that always throws me off. Because I'm yeah. like, what are you doing right now? I'm going to get breakfast. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm not in the mood for breakfast right now. Unfortunately, the worst BLT I ever had was in Australia. I wouldn't doubt it. Because the bacon was like this funky Canadian ham bacon kind of thing. It wasn't bacon. The lettuce, they didn't have iceberg lettuce down there. So it was that spongy, I have no idea dark green about. lettuce. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Like romaine lettuce? What do you mean dark spongy? What do you mean like spinach? Yeah, almost like a spinach. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I don't travel. That's why I don't, Is that what? I, that's why Is that I don't, your I don't, you don't want, the state of Texas. You don't I mean, want to try I did like, BLTs? Well, I did like Charleston. I, I really do. I went there for my honeymoon. That place is pretty cool. And I really hope they don't remove any of that you know, that bad stuff they usually, you know, they have around there, you know, all that dark history Charleston is occupied with. I can imagine some protests going around and, you know, getting rid of a lot of the statues and stuff. But I hope that down there, it was, it was kind of a eye opening certain areas, like where the slave block trade was and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. That to me is like extremely important for people to see because you get an idea, you finally see where things were held and you're like, I can't believe they would do that here. Like, that's nuts to me. Probably the craziest thing I saw there that was horrifying were the jails were built in basements. And if anyone knows where Charleston, it's on the coast. 
and it the, when it flooded, they didn't care about the inmates. So those inmates would drown all the time. It was like a common practice where dead bodies would be floating in the jail cell, and you're hanging out with a couple dead bodies while there's a bad wow. storm. And that, to me, blew my mind because I was like, oh, I'm so, so glad that we don't do that kind of stuff anymore because that's just the day-to-day stuff. And they talked about for there's a time period where if you did anything bad, they would hang you in trees over like towards the tip. And occasionally the, uh, the wind would change and all the carcass smell would come through like six or seven blocks. And it was pretty Oh, bad. that I can see. Yeah. So well, I remember, um, going to, uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, excuse me. My sister was a law student at, William and Mary College there. Yeah, I visited that place. Did you go to Colonial Williamsburg? It's basically... We at, my sister was looking at well, the, the all-female... Is it all-females there? Or was it? Or? Oh, there could have been, but Colonial Williamsburg is the part of town, part of Williamsburg. No, I'm talking about William and Mary. Oh, no, it was co-ed. Okay, yeah. It may have been all-male. I doubt it was ever all-female. All but William and Mary, that's where Thomas Jefferson okay. got his... Now, I'm trying to remember, because my sister... We went, my sister, we went over... She, she went all to those... Oh, I'm sure there was all females the to look schools. at, and I traveled with them, and I was like, "This is a weird place." But Colonial Williamsburg is a lot like Old Town Spring, where it's yeah, it's part neat. of Williamsburg, but it's like you know they have the I old stockades. Every yeah, everyone dresses up in the old way, and oh, here's the pub where so and so happened. Yeah. You know, they, they do the whole miniature tour thing. Very interesting because you learn a lot. That's where I got one of my first cookbooks from Williamsburg. Yeah, it's like 1800 cookbook or what? 1800. It was weird. It was fun. Some of that stuff. I love the terms we change. Such as? Well, like certain cooking ingredients, like how lard has changed drastically. And <laughs> yes, it's indeed. like, I'm, ta- I'm not saying the word lard. I mean, like just the, the, the content of what lard is yes. has changed. And uh, when you read these cookbooks, some of them are directly from families from the 17, 1800s and all the way to the 1900s. So it's like there's... You, you flip three or four pages, be totally different. And then, right. And then you'd be like, I have no idea what this is. But, uh, but yeah, it's good stuff. There's actually a YouTube channel I'll look up. I think I've talked to you about it, where the guy just does colonial-style meals, and he tries to keep it as natural as possible to the original recipe. And Interesting. So he, like, he, he makes a lot of his own ingredients because he even says you can't go to the store and get the same thing. You don't get the same outcome when you're cooking this stuff. Yeah. His fried chicken looks really good. Ooh, that sounds good. But because uh, the lard and all that stuff, they, they do it all, and it's different. Yeah, it's like, well, we'll never know what original Coke tastes like anymore. Yeah. Cause, well, you salt know, even. Lost. Salt even back mm-hmm. then was completely different. So. And but I'm glad we're here today, way. though. That's for sure. Well, but, believe it or not, at this moment in, in the history of planet Earth, we are the healthiest, best educated, and wealthiest well, I think I will. That's then one thing. I, 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 we're the best off than at any yeah. other point in history. I mean, we're, it's all perspective. Some people are struggling. Some people are doing really well. And I think that's been the same for a long time. Well, there obviously there always will be. Yeah. And, you know, there's some discussions going on. Businesses wanting to open theaters, wanting to open discussions like, well, do we wait until if we wait till everything's 100 percent cured? Well, I You'll know, never go back because like there'll never be a Like the Owen Theater, I think they announced their June show. They're going to open that last weekend in June. Correct, and that's why I'm, I'm going to be getting my tickets for it. I want to see. I want to experience it, and I'm hoping that 
tomorrow they don't do what this other theater did and said, well, because of the sudden surge, we're shutting down. Now, of course, every, every business needs to be prudent. You know, every theater does. We don't want well, audience members coming in. What you need to do is you do that skull and bone sign. It's like enter at your own risk kind of thing. That way well, people get the, the full feel. And the issue with corona, because I know some businesses are scared of opening or cautious of opening, thinking, well, I don't want to get sued. However, the issue with coronavirus, it's darn near impossible to prove in a court. Well, civil court is preponderance of the evidence. So it's but you're always going to find that one guy. Well, someone's going to try and sue, but like, then it's up to them to say, you need to prove that you got yeah, it from this location. Yeah, they have the to do it because they're really upset. Mm, true. So um, every business has to just be cautious with what they do. Yeah. I mean, I think the sports are figuring it out. Prudent. I'll say prudent, not cautious. But I know they, uh, I know the Players Theater Company announced that they're opening it up at the end of June. And I, I know people want to get out, so I, I know there's a need and there's a, a want for it. So even if they fill it half capacity or whatever they decide to do. but Because we haven't really seen, what is it, how long has it been since those uh, open protests? It's been like three weeks, right? Oh, yeah, we're smack dab in the incubation period here. So right now, what are you talking about when they had those protests around? They're like open up the country kind of protests? Oh, the ones that we were told by the media, don't do this, stay home. Or well, yeah, everyone's that's what I'm saying. Die. It's been like the 13 days or whatever, right? So uh-huh. now we should see somewhat of a, a surge. Well, yeah, then, but those protests don't hold a candle to... Well, I'm, not, I'm just saying timeline here. I'm not trying oh, yeah. to argue with you. No, by the end of this month, we if we don't have a... 10,000-fold increase in positive cases and and accompanying death rate than, as I was joking earlier when I said there's some explaining to do, numbers will have to be revisited. And just, just to kind of clarify when I said we're at the best place we are, I was talking globally, hum, mankind or person kind at this moment in time in, in history is the best off in general as a whole that it's been. You know, as far well, as that's one thing I've, fed, I've learned from the, not dying of the preventable diseases. is the controlling of the narrative is so important to keep a society in one direction. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what direction that would be, whoever wants to control it. But that's definitely something that we, we talked about in the past couple of shows is, you know, you, you, ha- you literally have two examples of choosing complete opposite sides of an outcome where, oh, hey, we shouldn't be outside. Don't do these things. You know, stay at home. And then within two weeks, it's like we don't want to take away your right to protest. We're not going to say anything about staying at home or doing anything like this. Yes. And that to me is control of the narrative. I think it's. Yeah, it's disingenuous at best or just a glaring example of, as you just said, controlling the narrative to, to reach what you wish to be a predetermined outcome. Yeah. And I don't really know. Like I, that to me is where the leadership failed. If I had to say, like you know, a lot of people are saying leaders are around the country are failing. I mean, I can't believe they w- they strayed away from that. Like because I remember when the the lockdown stuff was going around, people are literally having the the verbiage of like, "Hey, this is just temporary. Like your rights aren't being taken away. Just stay home." Well, if I may, the lockdown protests were led in traditionally business related or business friendly, i.e., red states. Like Texas. Yeah. Texas was eviscerated in the media. Oh, typical Texans wanting to kill people and get back to work. Governor Abbott trying to kill people. Yeah. Lieutenant Governor Patrick telling old people just, you know, got to die. And so. I like it. I like it. I mean, that guy. But nuts. with the protests slash riots that have happened as a result because of the George Floyd thing, a lot of those hot points, the vast majority of them, 
are in blue states, in blue cities with Democrat mayors, um, Democrat governors. Okay. And all of a sudden, so that no longer fits the narrative. Yeah. So now it's like, oh, it's okay. So the previous protests about the lockdown, that was to control the narrative of the only, you know, capitalist bourgeois pigs who, you know, have well, six guns strapped to their side, want to go, you know, they're trying to kill think, the rest of us. You think that but the, the second it becomes a red state issue, dead silence. Pardon I mean, the pun. Well, I mean, I, and that's what I was saying. I think leadership failed in the sense of keeping a message the same and going like, because I, I think there's a logic behind the stay at home kind of stuff. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I feel like that's the, like, the same there thing. There is logic to uh, the more protection you have or the more mitigative efforts you can make, the better off you are. You're, you're, you don't need a, a degree or an IQ with three digits in it to know that if you, you know, seal yourself off or medically seal yourself off from the rest of the universe, you, will, you won't get sick ever. And that if you go dive diving into a bath full of, of of you know cooked up viruses, you're gonna catch one. Well, that's and, I, and but it's the, that whole everything in between. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just like I said, I learned it's something that I definitely learned over the past month. Like it's like this is just nuts to me, and I'm glad I'm glad where I live today. Where I'm not affected by the local culture of things like that. Where I'm not in a big city where I'm used to going to the grocery store. Now I can't go to the grocery store or there's a protest or there's mm-hmm. some wild change in, in governing over here, around here. Because like I said, I think a lot has changed for a lot of people around here, but not to the point where it is like things are burning down. And Correct. Well, I, I think this area, possibly the state in general, excuse me, did it right for the most part. And a shining example was over the week, you know, over the last few days, we actually had George Floyd here in town, resting in repose, resting yeah. in state, public viewing, funeral. And, of course, you know, it was politicized to some extent on both sides. It just it was inevitable. It's so weird to me to have cameras at a funeral. Well, so uh, to me, get I'm not a fan of having. Did they get paid for that? having cameras they're yeah. news cameras well i'm saying like i i was a uh, holly and i were enjoying a drink at a place and were you enjoying it i was enjoying it okay. it was from southern star it was nice it was nice and crisp and uh the, i saw on the tv it was cnn and they were like having footage of where you would see the typical like the casket and the person talking and mm-hmm. i'm like man that's like that's wild to me I would presume and hope and expect that the family gave their okay on that. Any camera that shows well, up to I hope a funeral, so too, but I mean, the, but any camera that shows up to a funeral where the family doesn't want it, that camera needs to be removed with extreme prejudice from the area. I wonder if they got paid for that though. I always feel like that conversation happens when like a big news outlet's involved. Because remember we talked about to be a guest on a big news outlet. Sometimes they just pay they pay that person. Oh yeah. So I'm like, all right. Well, there, see, there, this is news, but the. The funeral and everything about it was, for the most part, I felt so done right, so respectful. Yes, it was politicized by certain individuals, and it's going to be. It can't not okay, be. Yeah, it cannot be. And I get that. You just you just take it with it. But we had no <laughs> – I don't know if I've been hearing about some news people have been calling the Mazel Tov cocktails. I just see all these rabbis throwing – uh, flaming bottles, Molotov cocktails. You know, we had no burnings. We had no defacings. 
Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of respect. And that made me feel so much better that we did, you know, we didn't go that route that these other places have and it speaks for itself. So I'm not saying it's wrong, but the media has definitely not covered the lack of. Well, like one thing that showed out what, what reads me Houston. out about that kind of stuff is there are certain decisions made by people like JJ Watt was there. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why would you want to go there, man? Like, I view JJ Watt as more of a community leader than I do so? Sheila Jackson Lee. Okay. My home, my personal take on it. He's not a camera hog. His heart. I'm don't sorry. I'm going to retract that because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Well, because you have this weird what is it president that if you don't show up, you are against it. Yeah. Well, that's what and I, I found out with my my Facebook shenanigans last couple of weeks because I don't yell screw the president with every breath. I must love him, according to some people, which I'm not a fan of that mindset and. To be honest, I you know I'm fine with if you want to believe that I don't care. I just hate there being misinformation out there, so I'll correct it. But someone's opinion on me, I found myself. I just thought you wild to me that, like I I understand certain people showing up because I knew George or something, you know, because he's been involved in Houston for a little bit. And but then when I saw JJ Watt, I was like, what? How did he? What? Who does he know? And that's. To me, that's an example of someone using their, and I don't want to use the word privilege because it's suddenly been bastardized to me, something bad now, using their status, celebrity status. To bring awareness to? to For a community good. I believe that. That he... But do you think he would have gotten leading, knocked if he didn't show up? Probably not personally, but there would be people on his Twitter feed going, hey, why weren't you there? Yeah. Uh, but for him, I think he would have been there for the right reasons and not to oh, hop yeah, up behind sure. a microphone to say, well, this is all well, so-and-so's fault. Or- I'd be curious to see what the NFL does coming up because, you know, the the kneeling thing is going to be a, an ongoing thing. And I've heard the argument, which makes sense to me. No, Their fans aren't even going to be there. Why do the national anthem at all? Hold that thought. I want to give a shout-out to Bert, who's – logged in to watch this for the first time in a while from what I can gather. Okay. So welcome back, Bert. But does that make sense to you? Like, why why even have the national anthem if there aren't any fans in the stands? The lack of fans, to me, means nothing. But then again, I grew up in a military family that every evening at sundown, taps was played, the flag would come down, and the yeah, base would I mean, stop. It didn't matter if no one's on the base. It's just the, no, the I get, protocols. I get the base are, thing. But, I, I mean, the that. protocols are followed. It's the national anthem. It's not, it's not for... The crowds to stand up. It's to be in America? Basically, yeah. Do they, they don't do that when they go play the football games over in England, do they? I don't know. I haven't seen American football games, but I do know that with most international, with most international sports, the sports I went to in England, that it was cross-country. When I say cross-country, meaning the countries, multiple countries played. They played both national anthems, and the visitors' national anthem would be played Well, the, like, well you know first. the NFL play games in, like, London. Yeah, well, they got the one team. No, no, it wouldn't be against a London team. Uh, there is a London team. Isn't I know, it? but they wouldn't play against them. It'd be like it'd be like if the Texans played the Seahawks, and for some reason they're in London. Okay, um, they would probably. My presumption, not having seen one, is that they would play both. Yeah. God save the Queen and because I don't see people being upset about that if they didn't. You know, on yeah. TV they're like, "Oh, I can't believe they didn't play it. Why do they play it?" Mm, some might. 
I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think they should. I think they should skip it and just go back into football. I do because it's a reminder to everybody witnessing, even the players on the stand, that to keep the games in perspective. Yeah, but I mean, really, what you're doing is you're creating an atmosphere of you're. No one's even going to pay attention to the national anthem. They're going to pay attention to what protests are happening. Well, if you notice, most of the so, channels tend to just not show it nowadays on the on. Oh, they're going to show the it televised. So well, I yeah, now it, it, now a like, lot of people are going to be kneeling, which is awesome. I'm all for that. I've never had a problem with kneeling. Well, no one's asking you, Sean. No, I'm just saying get rid. I'm just saying get rid of the get rid national of it. No, no. Of I'm going to arm wrestle you on that one. I mean, you can do it afterwards. I mean, that's what they should do. They should move it to the after the game so when the players are so tired they can make the excuse, oh, they're kneeling because they're tired. <laughs> 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 That'd be pretty funny. But, uh, but no, that's why I don't say, I, I get why they do it. I just say just get rid of it. And then, you know, two, 20 years later, they just bring it back and be like, okay, there you go. <laughs> okay. See, I, I, I got I to gotta fight you on that one, though. I think the national anthem is an integral well, part they should, they for should, any nation's They should do the, the Texas uh, salute thing then if they're playing in Texas. What, start singing the stars at night? Yeah. I would I would demand that. Go for it. But, uh, yeah, that's what I foresee in the in the future for NFL. They're going to have another another thing, another debacle with everyone kneeling for... I don't think it'll be a debacle, but I think it's going to be their say. I think it's going to get them actually back to people watching it nowadays. That was... They were nosediving. Well, what's interesting to me about those kind of protests is... And I would love to have talked to, like, a history teacher or a professor or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call them, is how long do these things need to last? Because I was thinking about, you know... Because I was reading Andrew and Peterson, who lives in the Woodlands, and they were talking about, you know everyone's going to kneel when the football comes back. And I'm like, okay, but for how long? Because is it going to become one of those dividing things where if you kneel for a season, then you then you stop kneeling? I think. And like, will it be like, oh, you're not kneeling for the 20th time? It's like, oh, uh, sorry, man, I forgot. This is purely my thoughts on the matter, and I could easily be wrong. Probably not, but you never know. Much like, in our post-COVID world or coming out of the COVID world, from now on, there will always be people who won't wear a mask going to Kroger. Other people won't care. You know, it's just one of those, yeah. it's it's the new thing. Well, I think, well, I'm, t- I'm coming from a perspective of, like, they, they're, they're under the impression that everyone's going to do it. They may, and this is... So right when that one person per- three years later doesn't do it, it's going to be like, this guy didn't do it. I don't think it'll go that far. Here's my well, thought. Twitter will. Twitter will take when Kaepernick, and my issues with Kaepernick were always that he was breaking league rules. All right, here we go. But when he first started kneeling with the save yourself from cops thing, yeah. we it wasn't in the national spotlight like it is right now. The the, the tipping point, the, yeah. the, the, the powder keg. So it was easy to dismiss that and morph it into, well, he hates veterans or he hates the flag where it was a proper protest. If you go back to old broadcasts, I've never said he was wrong for protest. Well, he should have just burned a flag to get it really going. Well, that, again... That's how, that's how you get it that really would, going. That's his right, but be prepared to face the consequences from the league if you burn a flag on the field. Oh, yeah. No, I was just kidding. Now that he's been proven right, and I'm using air quotes here, that this there is a systemic and or institutional situation with cops 
doing that and take the numbers out of the window. I've seen the latest thing is bar graph showing this is white on black crime. This is black on black crime. It doesn't matter. You know, the numbers don't matter to me. It's never been a numbers game. If you want to save the children, ban cars because more kids die in car accidents than anything else. It's not a numbers game. But now that Kaepernick has kind of been, I don't want to say vindicated, mm-hmm. his original stance, it's going to be more okay. In fact, I'm sure, was it, who's the commissioner, Goodell or something? Yeah. He'll probably kneel. He was the first one saying, Kaepernick, you were bad boy. But he'll probably be kneel too because it's there now. He's like been proven right. And it's going to chafe a lot of people. I say, unfortunately, he was proven right. I'd love for him to have been wrong but not so much. So those who kneel, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue, much like wearing the mask on a Kroger now is not as much of an issue once the, oh, I have rights, I, you, you know, you're infringing on my rights, you're stupid, you're herd immunity, whatever. It's just we get over it. Fine, you want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask? Please don't cough on me. If you want to kneel, kneel. I get it because no one can now say that despite the numbers, whatever they would say, that this is a hot topic nationwide and globally, but truly nationwide. This is the mm-hmm. most important thing going on right now. You know, we're, what, three months away, three, four months away from a presidential election. It's not even being covered, like, at all. All the races that are coming up in November, oh, yeah. none of them being covered because it's this. And, it, you know, it pushed COVID aside. COVID, it was all COVID, and now it's all this. So... When football gets back with with players on the field and audiences in the stand, well, I was ninety nine percent looking at a scenario where like today's a uh, protest, the way you, way you're kind of treated either through your peers or online is like if you're not with it, then you're against it. Kind of an absolutism, kind of over, like in regards of the protests and things like that. Does that make sense? Am I making sense to you? Yeah. And that thing, that's what's kind of that's what kind of gets me thinking. I was like, all right, so how do you, how do I make sure I don't get tagged that I'm against it or for it? Like I don't want to do both because you know I don't want to. You know, it's kind of like ten years from now they look at my Twitter and be like, I can't believe you did that blackout Tuesday. Oh my god. Well, that's the thing. Whatever they probably would. Never whatever exist. you do, that scenario would never exist. Can 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 haunt you immediately. And you know the diatribe that I myself posted on Facebook the other day. I've never gone that far, but it was like this is just insane. Yeah, and well, like imagine, imagine me because I have family members who are police officers saying like, "Hey, man, just thinking of you. Hope you're doing all right." And they're like, "Oh, this was during the protest. Why would you ever say that about a police officer?" Yeah, well, and again, emotions are high. Uh, there, I will always wave at a fire truck or a cop car or anything. Because that's how I was raised. Do you what? Do you do you do that with your which finger? Do you do? It with? <laughs> I Thumbs make sure up? I you, make sure you, the whole hand spread out uh, so no one can can. I always otherwise. do the hang ten. Is this the hang ten? Yeah, it's hang ten. Yeah, I do the hang ten, which is only one finger away from International American Sign Language for "I love you." So watch out. Is that what this is? Yeah, it's I L Y. The three letters oh, for cool. "I love you." So Brett raises an interesting point. I want and I want to read this word for word. We got about a couple minutes before we get to a break. Okay, Gaston. Brett says, no American should kneel for any reason. We, we are a nation that lives on its feet, and kneeling is a sign of submission. If you want to not stand for the anthem, just don't stand, but don't abase yourself. That's very, I don't necessarily, well, I well, don't necessarily disagree. Or, or, well, it's true. You know, kneel, be, like kneel he, before Zod. 
That's all you yeah, gotta but say. That's like connecting two separate things. But like in this society, we think kneeling means this, but in this society, we but think in its own. Means, I mean, the idea is forming when we kneel before God. You know, we're submitting ourselves to God. Kneel before the King to be knighted. Yeah, it's. I guess you're you're showing you're lesser than this person. Then when he says rise, okay, I'm now you're more than just what you get were. Get rid of the national anthem. <laughs> that will solve all the problems. I think not for the next couple. That's of years. a very interesting point. I don't know if just I fully get rid of it. Agree with it, and maybe be discussed, you know, in more depth. But I know we have what you could guests do coming in. Is you play it right at the beginning of the game before the game actually starts. So like whenever they open the stadium, we're like, hey, we're gonna do this, and then there it is. And that's not televised. It's like forty five minutes before the actual kickoff. Why are you ashamed of our country, Dick? I'm just trying to avoid uh, simple. I'm trying to offer simple solutions. Yes, because avoiding conflict accounts for every major advancement. They in should this do it in the locker world. room and then film the locker room. Everyone would love that. It's kind of like in school. <laughs> like everyone has to stand up before the day starts. It's like I'm telling you, that's how it goes. I don't, there's some locker room people I don't want standing at attention <laughs> that I can see. I mean, they, they wasn't that a big deal like 20 years ago? They wanted, like, people in the locker room. That's so weird. Because what happens when, like, one one player goes, no, that's kind of privacy, right? Like, I don't want anyone in here while I'm... Well, yeah, I, I got to agree. I'm not a fan of the locker room interview. Hey, Lynn and Chris uh, saying hi to you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back here. We got our guest coming in. We got Dan Zintek coming in. Uh, he is a host of Crime Scene Today, and he's a fellow officer. Or not, I keep saying fellow officer. He's an officer in Montgomery County. So you again, wish you could be a cop. Well, no, I do not. Uh, I we will be right back after these messages. We'll see you in a bit. Is available in the Montgomery County area from Clean Sweep Office Cleaning with scheduled cleaning surfaces such as floor care, window care, trash collection, restroom disinfection, and stair and elevator cleaning. Clean Sweep can service a business one time or on a regular schedule with daily, weekly, and monthly options. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning can be found online at cleansweepofficecleaning.com or by calling 832-689-7996. Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Take back your time and let us make your office shine. Mornings with Lone Star is sponsored by Clean Sweep Office Cleaning. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Does your company have needs that can be met by an employee who is dependable, hardworking, enthusiastic, motivated, cooperative, respectful, and punctual? Conroe Independent School District Special Education Department can meet your needs by connecting you with potential employees that have been preparing for a lifetime of employment. We have numerous individuals seeking paid and unpaid work experiences. If your company is interested in seeing how we can meet your business needs, call Conroe ISD Special Education Department to find the best employees for you at 936-709-7671. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. 
Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio, broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Want to check out the fastest growing sport in the world? It's right here in Conroe, Texas, and it's roller derby. Conroe Roller Derby is a nonprofit recreational league of women and men who want you to come and check out the fast-paced, hard-hitting game of roller derby. The Conroe Cutthroats practice at Rainbow Roller Rink on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You can find our game schedule and more information on our website, www.conroerollerderby.com. Hey guys, this is Connor. This is Dick. This is Chris. And we're with the Ticket Stub Podcast every Thursday live at noon on 104.5 and 106.1 FM in the Conroe area. Also, anytime at IRLoneStar.com. You go to IRLoneStar.com backslash TTS. You can find all of our social media. And don't forget, we give away two tickets to the Grand Theater on every show. If you like movies and you like complaining or celebrating anything that has to do with the silver screen, Check out the Ticket Stub podcast and join us every Thursday at noon o'clock on Lone Star Community Radio. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936 647 3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Is there someone you know who is hooked on vintage aircraft? Follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift and a flight on a historic B-17. Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, or more information, go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17. This is Rick, TRC. Every Tuesday on my show, Afternoons with Lone Star from 3 to 7, I play back-to-back classic rock hits. That's right. I like to call it a two for Tuesday or a three for whatever it is you'd like. Call the request line, 936-647-3776, or message me on Facebook, Afternoons with Lone Star, make a music request. That's right. You can do it. Here's what else. Go over to our website, IRLoneStar.com. Get the app on your phone. It's easy. You'll like it. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Welcome back. Dick and Skippy in the mornings. It's 10 o'clock on the dot. 78 degrees outside and sunny downtown Conroe. Going to get up to the 90s. Just going to get hot this week. Hot and sunshiny all day and moonshiny all night. Summer's here. 
or it's about to be here. What's the update on that hurricane thing that was supposed to come? Cristobal? Yeah, they hit. It didn't Louisiana. hit Texas, so I really don't care. Oh, that's the attitude right yeah, there, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're different states for a reason. They're on their own. I just remember waking up. It was either like Sunday, and I looked at the weather for the next like seven days, high 90s. I was like, ooh, I guess we're not having a hurricane, or it's like the calm before the storm. I don't know. So We'll see. This is a great place to listen about hurricane updates, by the way, because we know exactly what's going on. Yes. Uh, we, we hopefully know hopefully our guest, buy. Dan, has a better idea <laughs> about uh, reality in and general. So I say it every day that I'm on the air. If you don't have flood insurance, get it. It makes a world of difference. Well, why aren't you trying to, like, prop up a, an end, like a specific salesperson? Like, who do, you, who do you use? I use Liberty Mutual myself. Liberty Biberty. Is that not like you have a person, a uh, name, a local The rep? guy that originally sold it to me when I bought my house, he's moved on elsewhere, so I just get the automatic renewal every year. Oh, okay. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, that's uh, my homeowner. Well, it's through Liberty Mutual, but it's a federal, it's a federal uh, thing. Here so we go. You can buy it from anywhere. It's almost like your, uh, uh, your car inspection. It costs the same no matter where you so go So what to. I just learned is Sean pays money every month to a person. He doesn't even know who it is. No, it's every year. And he doesn't even know if it's real. It's, so it's every year. you can sure have real. a flood and be like, uh. <laughs> who would want to scam me? Well, I mean, it sounds like you're yeah, already no, been scammed. I, I buy it through Liberty Mutual, but basically it's a different thing in your homeowner's policy, which I also get through Liberty Mutual. For your homeowner's insurance, you can call FEMA direct, I think, um, or just call a local insurance agency. They charge you the same. Much again, much like your your car inspection. Doesn't matter if you go to Jiffy Lube or Christian Brothers or whatever. It's the same amount of money Where's for Christian the, Brothers. Oh, they're I've all heard of that place. They're they're in, I know they're in the woodlands. I'm sure they're elsewhere. Okay. They're uh they're they're, they're cool. My mom loves them. She it's the only place she'll take her. Oh, I think that place is on twenty eight fifty four next okay. to God's Garage. I think that's one of them. Probably. Okay, fair enough. Okay, we got Dan in the studio. Dan's in Texas, a host of a Thursday show here on Lone Star Community Radio called Crime Scene Today. He's with a he's a captain in the precinct three of Montgomery County Constable's office. Constable's office. Uh-huh. They're real cops. So uh, <laughs> just to let people know. Well, I don't know. I, I see an embroidered badge. I don't see a badge badge. So, but that's wait, that's an FBI Academy badge. That is an FBI Academy badge. Did you go to Quantico? We did. So actually, uh, about one percent of law enforcement gets the opportunity. You have to apply through your local uh, office mm-hmm. and. Uh, four times they hold an academy out of the year, and actually it, it sort of goes to the topic I figure we're going to be discussing, is that uh, when the Quantico was actually built for the National Academy, and the purpose behind it was that it was during the time that they were discussing, should there be a national police force? Mm-hmm. And at that time, obviously, it was uh, during um, ending World War II, Nazi Germany. It's like, no, we don't want... A, a national <laughs> police force. Okay? So the other idea was, okay, we're going to be the, bring the law enforcement leaders from uh, around the country and train them in a specific way on the most current topics, most things that are affecting law enforcement. And so uh, that created the National Academy. The National Academy is uh, what uh, Quantico was built for. It wasn't until later that they actually started holding uh, the FBI Cadet Academy at Quantico. So. Wow. Uh, again, 1% of law enforcement gets to go there. It's You have to be a lieutenant or higher uh, he, to be selected. He just you, said he was 1%. You uh, live uh, at Quantico for 10 weeks. Um, How's the food? It's good. It's uh, it's 
there's some people gain weight, some people lose weight because uh, it's it's all you can eat and it's anything you could imagine. Their dessert bar is as big as a studio if you partake in it. Otherwise, you're hitting the track and the field and, and training and stuff. So I mean, no, there is PT. I know that my brother uh, attended it last is. year and he was saying he sent me some stuff that their PT training and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they uh, the end result of your PT training is the challenge is called the Yellow Brick Road and it's actually the Marine. It's on a Marine base, obviously Quantico. And so they have uh, their obstacle course, which they have at every Marine base. Mm -hmm. There's called the Yellow Brick Road because uh, when it was created, the Marines put yellow or painted yellow bricks along the path so you knew which way you were going. Uh, So that's the big challenge. And if you've ever seen anybody who's gone through the uh, National Academy, they get a yellow brick at the end of it, and you see it in their offices and stuff. It means that you've you've done the obstacle course and the uh, eight-mile run with it and all that. Cool. Yeah, my son uh, is a Marine, or former Marine, well, once and always, but uh, uh, he was telling me about the crucible that he ran at uh, Pendleton right? When just before he graduated. What do they give you when you complete that? Uh, lifetime membership in the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> that's, right. oh, that's nice of them. And a big, apparently, like all you can eat. The crucible is like this forty-eight hour. It's almost like here's a here's a knife and a piece of mylar. Run ten marathon. Just is this grueling thing that at the end, if you make it, it's your trial by fire to become a marine. And they have like this huge honking breakfast buffet waiting for you. That's like ten IHOPs and Waffle Houses put together. So, cool. Yeah. I All right. You, you, you like that? Well, idea. I'm glad we have Dan in because we're going to talk about uh, another <coughs> hot topic today. COVID. It, is COVID. COVID, yes. That's, that seems to be in the news. Right and yes. and then people's, <laughs> people's response to police and how the police are structured and handled. There's so many news sources. of, And like you said, we don't have a national police. So it's all about local police and right. how people, they're changing the... You know, how are they going to deal with what do you call unruly officers? What's the right term? Like just bad, bad apples no, yeah. or bad cops, bad uh, cops, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to say, the first question off the top of my head, and I'm, I'm trying to just trying to figure out how to start the first word. Believe it or not, uh, something that's going around right now through the news is this hashtag. Which I, I hate hashtag protest, but it's mm-hmm. defund police. But then they're saying, well, that doesn't mean not funding them, even though the word is defund. Right. What do you, maybe on behalf of at least a local office, what, is, what does that mean? So in, in looking into it, and yeah, I mean, I think that uh, probably a bad choice of words, right? And that is um, what it sounds like, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, some have even suggested this, is abolishing uh, police departments. Okay? And so there's a couple of different mindsets that I've seen. And, and understand my only source is, is the same as y'all's, watching many different news sources yeah. to try to sort of weave through it because we're not talking about it here, you know, mm-hmm. at this level. So what I've determined is, is I guess, some cities uh, and one uh, had totally fired their police department and then rehired their police department. And again, that to me make, it's no logical sense other than if there were some problems there, and I guess this is how they found a solution, is that whether there were contracts involved, whether there was uh, unions involved that were stopping them from getting rid of some bad people or whatever, that they found their only solution was to dissolve, basically fire the department, and then handpick who you rehire, which, again, just take care of your problem, right? I mean, get rid of your problem officers, get rid of wherever the issue is. Now, the other uh, topic of defund, 
uh, actually goes to, um, if you go back to Dallas when the officers were killed there, and the chief made a great speech and talked about the many different things cops were having to do now and that they're having to do too much, meaning they're your animal control officer, they're your truancy officer. If yeah. there's a problem in the city, the cop is handling it. So the defund uh, seems to be talking about that let's let cops get back to doing what cops need to do and not do all the extra stuff along with it. Now, I guess the defund part of it is that obviously to create all the other areas that you would need to have, you would need to pull funding from somewhere. And so... Divert so, power from the shields for the warp core right. kind of thing for so, us nerds out there. And I can't say, you know, that may be the mindset in many areas, but uh, it's something that we dealt with recently. Okay, so, you know, we joked as far as, you know, talking about COVID, but it, it really relates, and that is, so when COVID happened and we started getting, it started coming down the chain that, hey, we're about to not allow restaurants to open and not allow this to happen and people can't go out for this and whatever. And the first words out of the police mouth is, or what? <laughs> because That's we true. know. Well, I remember Lynn Hidalgo and right. the Union, Harris County or Houston Police uh, Union leader immediately got right because heads. Because the end result is who's going to enforce it? We know who's going to enforce it. You can come up with all the rules, the laws, or whatever, but it's coming down to us. Mm -hmm. So it's the or what. What are we going to have to do when you say they can't do this? Okay? And when they're upset that they can't do this, they're not going to be arguing with you. They're going to be arguing with the police, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and actually, it created a conversation to realize that when the first orders came out, uh, even Montgomery County, Harris County, is they were non-enforceable mm -hmm. completely because... Uh, if you noticed in the second or third week in it, they started including the verbiage that if you don't do this, then it's a violation punishable by six months in jail. That wasn't in there before. Right. And without that being in there, it wasn't enforceable. Yeah. You know, uh, but again, it goes back to uh, it's thrown onto the police to handle something. And it's argued that should the police be handling, in this case, what most would seem as a health issue? Mm -hmm. Okay, or is that your health department? You know, is that health regulation or is it the police? And the problem is that many things come to the police and it's partly because we're out there, right? And I don't mean like we're available. I mean, we're currently patrolling the streets. Yeah, so, you're already there. Why don't you go right, take care of it? Right, we're, we're already out there. So when you have that mental crisis that's happening at the house because someone has a mental uh, issue, well, instead of calling a mental health officer, a hospital where, the cop just drove by three minutes ago, okay? So what do we do? Well, all of us have to go to mental health training. We have to go to 40 hours. It's required by state law, okay? So now you've made a mental health officers okay, mm -hmm. to handle that. And so, again, it's, it's sort of well, the, the premise behind that, that thinking. Well, that makes sense. Um, this is kind of in a parallel universe i have a friend who's a uh, flight attendant but sort of long term that back in the day she was called a stewardess and it wasn't offensive and she has said that what is expected of her nowadays is like would take five different people not just five stewardesses in the old days in the 70s or 80s but actually five different experts right in, in that field and, and so i have to agree I, you know I, i'm old Pro well, so I remember when cops were there for 
not as varied, uh, it, like the mental health, you, being expected to perform at one at peak performance in a myriad of well, and there, there's been a encounters. change in society too. I mean, example would be um, if you told your parents you were not going to school that day, okay? Most likely you'd end up at school and your parents would handle that problem, right? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Today, we get phone calls. My child's not listening to me. I need y'all to come talk to him, okay? Now, again, is that a police problem or not? And then if you don't go there and there becomes a family violence assault, is it because you didn't go there and handle it or because the parents are incapable of handling those issues? I mean, so, so here comes the gray area of what is police problem what's not and defining that and who's going to take care of it you know at what point does the call come in saying we need police and we get the authorization to say no we're not coming so that's that's sort of the the i guess uh conversation that's happening right okay and you know obviously as you said we don't have a national police force things are different from one area to the other and i think that's a big factor to consider uh and i believe it's also Something that's very frustrating um, all the way around is that uh, the problem that's happening in Minneapolis or in L.A. or other places uh, are very unique to their area. And to paint it with a broad brush and say, this is law enforcement nationwide, this is law enforcement in rural communities, uh, that whatever we do in L.A. to fix the problem, we should do across the U.S., and we already have things that, I guess, stop that from happening. I mean, uh, the Constitution allows for states to make their own decisions in certain areas because they understand that this state performs differently than another state. And I'm not stop talking about the basic uh, essentials. Everybody wants security. Everybody mm -hmm. wants protection. They want to feel safe in their homes. They want to feel safe walking on the street. That's not what we're talking about. But there are issues specific to areas of the country that don't affect the whole country. So, well, from what I understand here locally, Montgomery County, like you're in the constable's office. Uh, constable offices here have specialties, from what I understand. Like, there's a constable office that does the lake. Like, I think the constable office down down the street, they're the ones that primarily do the serving. Am I right? Am I wrong? Well, Precinct about this? one's jurisdiction is Lake Conroe. Yes. Okay. So basically, by by state constitution. And this is we're just speaking Texas here by state constitution. Uh, constables have uh, have to serve civil process and court orders. Okay. okay, so that's that is directed. It is a shall. You shall do this. The sheriff shall take care of the jail. That's it. That's the two. You don't have a choice. These are the things you do. Now beyond that, you're a police officer. What you do beyond that? Again, some have turned to specialty areas because either one. Uh, one entity uh, didn't have the manpower to handle it or uh, didn't have the desire, uh, put their resources or thing. because as you have elected officials, uh, many people have their own priorities of what they see needs to be addressed in their community, and such as the constable's office in Precinct 5, uh, which is uh, out there near Magnolia, um, they seem to be focused on a lot of drug activity. That seems to be a problem in their area. Uh, same with Precinct 4 uh, up in East County. In Precinct 1, they focused on mental illness, 
and they focused on the lake because that's in their area. At Precinct 3 in South Montgomery County, we focused on crimes against children, on internet crimes, computer crimes, forensics, and those type of things. Now, on top of all of that, those are some of the areas we focused in. Every single office that's out there uh, also is patrolling. They're working accidents. They're arresting robbery suspects. They're responding to assaults. They're doing what you would think any police officer yeah. does, but they also focus on some different areas. And I got to say for Precinct 3 on top of that, um, since I'm a Woodlands boy, since it's not a city, there's no Woodlands Police Department. I think it's incumbent that for Precinct 3 constables, it's like that's your beat, right? On top of that, you, yeah, well you have, you're yeah. the de facto Woodlands Police Department. Well, now the Woodlands contracts with the sheriff. Okay. Okay. So the sheriff's department actually patrols the Woodlands, I'll say proper, even though it's not incorporated yet, right? right. The actual Woodlands area. Uh, it's still in our precinct, so we respond to things in there. We have contracts, which are down the Rayford Sawdust Corridor, uh, which uh, we sort of respond to those areas. And how very quickly sort of how contract works, and we had covered this once on my show, is that if you just went by tax dollars alone, let's say the Woodlands, okay, uh, the tax dollars alone would not cover many officers out there, okay, maybe 15 officers. And that would be to patrol 24-7 of all the people in the woodlands, right? Uh, it really would not meet the needs. So instead, a homeowner association or a MUD or something that is a taxing entity that collects some money says, what if we paid for them? What if we pay their salary, their car, we contract with the sheriff's officer, we contract with the constable's office, and those officers stay here? And that's the very basic of what contract policing is. So, um, they have contract with the Sheriff's Department. That's why you have close to 100 officers in the Woodlands versus the 15 or so you get. It's the same reason why we have uh, close to about 60 officers at Precinct 3 Constable that patrol uh, certain areas that normally would not have very many also. Awesome. Well, I mean, and I think that's really neat about this area because there are Montgomery County's very diverse in the, what, the landscape of where there's a concentration of people and then also how far north and east and west we go. And that's why during this current political climate or however you want to call it, it's like we don't seem to be affected by it as much, mainly because I don't really know if there's a huge issue with the police department and the citizens. I've never encountered, never heard of stories of bad encounters, what you're reading today. And the, like, I know the peaceful protests here went what are going well. Like, it's not something that you would see on CNN or anything. I'm glad someone's taking care of Eric Yalek, though. Like, someone <laughs> needs to control that yeah. guy. And uh, but no, ban him from the dairy aisle. Do no. you think with the way you're telling me, the root of a lot of the police decisions come from the state? And that's structural. That's also probably behavioral so at one point because they set how you guys or what y'all guys are doing. Yeah, uh, so uh, I guess a solution that seems to be very popular uh, is, and that's one of the reasons why I nearly found it uh, strange when they talk about defunding, is normal, normally the answer that most people come up with when you find a problem is training. I was just okay. thinking that. We, we need to train them better. Throwing more money for training. And so therefore, if you take money away, because I can promise you from working on many budgets for years, when you cut our budget, the first thing that goes is training because we need gas in the car. We need to change the oil. Yeah. We have to put a uniform. So it's it's literally the first thing that goes. So um, so taking away the money to try to solve the problem is sort of uh, not going to work. But that seems to be the answer at the state. So when um, 
you have the mental health issues, we have 40 hours training that's mandated. Uh, when uh, we've had racial issues, uh, every officer has to go through cultural diversity training. Um, all those things are already in place. Um, when under the uh, Sandra Bland Act, mm -hmm. uh, you had to have de-escalation training. So usually it's training, and that's, that's really the only, I guess, effect that comes from the state yeah. that mandates, hey, y'all need some training in this. You need mm -hmm. some training in that, which is controlled by TCOL, which is our, our agency that mandates police officers in Texas. Would you, this would be kind of, I don't know if this is controversial, but like another thing that I've been reading and, and I think it, it could be a problem in certain areas for police is kind of that, uh, that term thin blue line kind of activity that happens within a police force where when there is an officer, their behavior is something that any person would be like, that is, that they, they need to get in trouble for their behavior is there a system set up to where a police person would be more likely to get out of trouble than in trouble when it comes to certain behaviors just because of the way the system works, be if that makes sense? I'm sure. No, I mean, and so, I mean, there's a couple of different areas, you know, from that. Um, and I think thin blue line means something to different people yeah. just the same as like Black Lives Matter does, right? Mm -hmm. When certain citizens hear Thin Blue Line, they hear, oh, you can get away with stuff, you're protected, they're going to... What's called qualified you. immunity, I think, you is know, the, um, one of the words. Well, they're talking about, they're going to look the other way, right? Okay. That, I mean, that's, that's something that the citizen may take from that, whereas in the police force, they would look at it as uh, we're standing there as a thin line between the criminal element and providing safety mm -hmm. for the community. Okay? So they see it as a force that we're standing here protecting our community, and we're standing as a team to do so, right? Again, uh, that's where those type of phrases, depending on who's hearing them and the perspective that they have, uh, can mean something way different, right? Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like I mentioned the Black Lives Matter, okay? To, uh, a certain community, it means the uh, lack of opportunity, the lack of education, the lack of needs being met by the black community, and that's been going on for years that they feel need to be addressed. And many people will argue of the fact of saying black lives matter is dismissing any other person mattering. And how someone had said it before, it's, well, we're not saying all lives don't matter. We're not saying blue lives don't matter. We're trying to tell you that there's a problem in the black community that is not being addressed. And that's how they see that. On the flip side, when you speak to officers, that they have seen these protests that I believe there's certain people that go to the protest with exactly what I said. They believe there's a problem. There needs to be a conversation. There needs to be something addressed. Mm -hmm. There's others that take it as an opportunity uh, to be violent to destroy things, to hurt things. And so when you have officers that have responded to that, that have things thrown at them, that have you know Molotov cocktails thrown and, and these type of things, um, they see it as more of a excuse to attack police that are not involved in whatever. I mean, an example of what we're currently dealing with. What happened with George Floyd is some specific officers, by all means, need to be addressed. I don't know a single officer that has seen that video that doesn't say, 
this is wrong. Mm-hmm. That needs to be addressed. They need to go to jail. They need to be punished for what they did. But how that then leads to officers, because of their occupation, being ambushed in a car just sitting there and killed, mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with it other than the fact of a job they chose years ago because someone's mad about what happened in another state by another officer is where you start getting harsh feelings of hearing the Black Lives Matter slogan Mm -hmm. uh, to certain police, right? So, again, it means something to different people. And This is not a, if I can, if this makes sense, this is not a chanting catchphrase issue where you can't narrow it down to defund the police or any, you know, any three words can't adequately describe what's no, I mean, addressing and, what and the problem is. it goes back many years, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, I just gave you the example of COVID, okay? Or what? Or what do you expect us to do? Now let's take it back not many years ago, okay, in the civil rights movement, okay, when they wanted segregated bathrooms, when they didn't want blacks going to certain schools, okay? And the cops had to sit there, or what? Because who's going to have to go enforce it? And who did you see enforcing it? National Guard. <laughs> so now you have police officers, National Guard. You have this authority figure that is truly enforcing racial prejudice and segregation and all these type of things. And again, not that long ago. So now when you move forward, the police have always been the enforcement on bad laws on bad decisions, and again, uh, I truly believe as a country we've we've progressed greatly. Okay, maybe not where we need to be by all means because we're still having many of these issues. Uh, but are we getting to the point that the issue is about an individual bad cop, or about some bad leadership allowing certain behavior and not catching it in enough time, or is it still system wide problem? I don't believe it's a system-wide problem. I don't see those complaints at my department. I've been doing this 29 years. I haven't personally, in 29 years, seen one person treated different than the other because of their color. It's, again, a personal choice as a person while you're out there, and I believe that's what has to be addressed. The, And I think, again, certain things are addressed. You know, you talked uh, early about uh, Blazing Saddles, right? Would they make that movie today? Okay. Probably not. I mean, they kind of did with Tropic Thunder. Well, he, well, here's the thing. I, I think they could, and I want to give a quick shout-out to both Jay and Terry, who I saw posted in. I think they could remake it today, but it would have to be a Spike Lee film. Right. Or, uh, key, uh, oh, the guy did get out. Kel something. I don't know. Him. Sorry. Him. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> if, if it were a... We all know him. If... I, I, God, I hope this is not If this were a black, Peel, Keenan Peel. Yeah, if this were a black-driven production, you could, but it then wouldn't have. Could. Right. But I think it would be less satire because what made to me Blazing Saddles what it was. It just showed the ludicrousness of it. It just held the mirror right, right up and with the with the well, laugh I mean, track. That's why I said Tropic Thunder did a similar thing to it, where like the delusion of of. One person trying to pretend that, to be a but that a was dude more on, on a, a uh, well I don't want to get too sidetracked but I think that was more on a, an actor's you know yeah. fervor of I I must embrace this role 
Sorry, but go back. No, to but it's it's the same thing. What I'm getting at is that obviously there are certain things that we used to do before that were, I mean, the one that's been pulled, uh, Song of the South, right? Disney, <laughs> Mario, yeah. right? That's gone. Okay. Uh, but when it aired, obviously this went through checkpoints, right? I mean, mm-hmm. someone watched this, someone allowed this, someone said this is acceptable for society, and since is not acceptable. And I'm hoping that things have changed to the point that there are certain things that we would have accepted in the past, wouldn't have blinked an eye at that are no longer acceptable. So how do we continue the conversation of what is still going on, what's still the problem that needs to be addressed? And I think that's what's really hard with today's reaction with social media and Internet is, like, everything happens so fast. And a lot of, like, with the George Floyd issue, from what I understood, was the, it wasn't fast enough. Like, there wasn't – these, these folks weren't arrested fast enough. There was, I mean, like, if that makes sense. Like, those things didn't happen fast enough. If I may, because it came right on the heels of Amoud. I'm sorry, I forgot the last name. Aubrey. That, uh, Amoud, Amoud Aubrey. Aubrey, am I pronouncing it right? The guy who was gunned down yeah. by the, the the two people who weren't active law enforcement. But it that was out, was what it was, but it was the apparent cover-up that it had happened before. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think maybe could that have forwarded to this because it was right on the heels of it to where why are these guys still walking free after three four well days? and there, there's a lot of conversation i'm uh <clears throat> i've attended many classes as far as uh public information office that's the one who's basically going out there telling you what happened on scene or mm-hmm. whatever and there is a difference between cover-up where we don't want you to know what happened type mm-hmm. of thing uh for bad nefarious reasons and certainly that has occurred before but there's also a hesitation until you get the proper information to release. The other problem that a lot of people don't think about is if if you don't want us to know or, or if you want us to know, show us the video. Show us this, show us that, or whatever. That's great for you having the information. It's horrible for when you go to trial because a couple of things. One, even in this case, okay, uh, they have moved up the charge to charge him with a higher level of murder, okay? And has the investigation been done, or was it complete at that time? Because one of the problems you have with murder, manslaughter, negligent homicide, is you have to turn the culpable mental state, meaning intentionally, knowingly, recklessly, which, yeah. which one is or we're ta- which, which case are we talking about right uh, now? Currently, this is the George Floyd. George, George Floyd, Floyd. Okay. I have to make sure. So, so he, he was originally uh, booked or charged with third-degree murder. Now it's second-degree murder and third-degree homicide, or manslaughter. Right, I so... Believe. So depending on what you charge okay, and what you're going to go to trial with, you have to have that information. So, again, we've seen cases before, not this particular one, we've seen cases before where they jump to that conclusion. They charge them, they did this before. And it doesn't hit that standard. Well, and then they go to trial, and they get found not guilty. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because what you charge them with. Mm-hmm. There may have been something else to charge them with. There may have been something else they could have done. But because we jumped very quickly and did this, those riots are about to start again because they believe that they got off with whatever they did and to a point they did because they possibly should have been punished and should have been found guilty for a charge. It's just not what you charge them with, right? So there's, there's that balance. How quick do we get the information out so that the public, that we are being transparent to the public mm-hmm. on what's happening so that they know that we're working with them, this is not acceptable for us, and we need to address this. And I think where 
the problem lies with that is as these uh, things have happened throughout the country, there is a lack of trust that we're eventually going to get it, right? We want it now because if we don't get it now, we don't know when we're going to get it and what are you going to do in the meantime, mm-hmm. right? And that trust, uh, again, is it up north? Is it L.A.? Is it uh, overall system-wide? Uh, I can tell you in Montgomery County, we have great support. Uh, we've talked about this before with uh, when we have people come from out of state and they realize the support we have from our community and just generally uh, stopping by, tell us we appreciate what you do and this, that, and another. And obviously on our department Facebook pages, you'll have one person make a negative comment and you'll have 30 of them, you know, no, I appreciate what they do and this, that, and other. So um, I think there's that balance that we really struggle with because honestly, yeah, we'd love to throw everything out there, but then who are we going to pick the jury from? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we face this on um, one particular one that uh, it was a, a daycare where a child was injured mm-hmm. and we had shown the video. Okay. That became problematic later on because, again, many people had seen, shared this video, trying to find a jury pool that didn't uh, see this and already have an opinion about it. Yeah. So, so those are some of the struggles with, with handling some of these cases. Wow. Uh, listener Lynn asks a question. I'm going to tweak it just by adding a word, I think. Uh, will does. we see more officers quit out of frustration over what's going on? I think it would depend on the limitations. Uh, so, I ha- again, I haven't heard anything here, right? But um, we have seen other, uh, and again, it's coming from the media. I don't know how, how true it is from the air, but uh, taking away guns from law enforcement, okay, taking away certain things. I can tell you <laughs> if they walked in and said, hey, you can police and you can't have any weapons, yes, everyone will quit. No one's going to go uh, and respond to something where there are weapons, they don't have weapons and these type of things. Um, but as far as uh, I think a more challenging part of that would be how many people are going to join law enforcement. Uh, we've already had uh, recruiting issues uh, in Nothing because of protest or otherwise. Uh, we actually, all of our positions are full, and we have people wanting to apply. So it's not stopping us from filling uh, our troops, but we have had less applicants, less people wanting to go to the academy, not just because of policing, but because there's many other options people want to do now. Uh, and where in the past, I think, uh, policing was more of what people considered an honorable profession. Uh, now, uh, some look at it as just a job. And if it's just a job, then they can find another job. So I think it's hers on the recruiting. I don't see anybody quitting because the ones who are doing it know what we're doing. Um, now, I can tell you, again, I'm speaking for here locally, we haven't seen people throwing things at our cars, Mm -hmm. Uh, people Mm -hmm. uh, just randomly walking up and hitting officers while they're trying to do their job. Where uh, I think if people felt as though any time they drove around, they were going to get shot at, things thrown at them, et cetera, yeah, some people may find a different employment, especially if you've only been a cop for about a year or two, and this really isn't (laughs) affecting your retirement whatsoever to do something different. Right. So, Because I I did notice, um, I think it was like 14 Minneapolis police officers resigned and of course social media was split right down the middle half and going good riddance to obviously you're the bad right. ones and 
other people were saying, well, no, these are the ones that are unfairly being right. painted with this brush. So I think that could have been what Lynn was was going after. It's sure. more the and, motivation of the quitting. Well, and, and certainly, I mean, if, if you're lumped in, uh, and so right now, if an officer were to leave there, let's say for totally unrelated to this, let's say they were leaving and their family was moving to Colorado because their significant other had a job opportunity in Colorado. Yeah. And they go apply at Colorado, and on the application, they're from Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, so now are they going to put in the paper, they're going to announce, hey, we just hired three officers from <laughs> Minneapolis. Okay. Um, that creates, again, some, some issues, some thoughts that are already there that probably shouldn't be. Well, I think that's something that the police is, is always being dealt with. Like you said, you're the one enforcing things from higher-ups or from the state government, from the federal government or whatever as a peace officer. And I think that's where you get the uh, unfortunate result is he's kind of put on you as an officer where they think you're the reason this stuff is happening. And you're just like, well, really, realistically, we're just here enforcing what we're told to enforce. And I think going forward, we're gonna it's going to be interesting to see what different cities do, what different states do. But to, from my perspective, the state of Texas kind of hasn't really been inclined to change that much because of the already existing positive nature of the police force. Because like, that's what we're talking about with the protests in, uh, in Houston. It's HPD has been, been a, a well-known, established police force that right. knows how to control. And when I say control, I don't mean like they make sure no one's causing trouble. But it's more of like, you can come have a peaceful protest and leave as a peaceful protest. And I truly believe that, I mean, out of out of Houston, where you had people having a peaceful protest, you also had the others show up mm-hmm. that were throwing things at cops, mm-hmm. and cops got injured and, uh, and whatnot. But those people came there, in my opinion, those people came there for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay? They didn't come yeah. there uh, to be peaceful, to make a statement. And, you know, at the end of it, and this is what... I'm more inclined for is that, you know, protests serve a purpose to draw attention to a topic. But a protest itself is not going to change something. There has to be a conversation after the protest. There has to be the right people meeting to have a conversation of what exactly, uh, why were you protesting? What do you feel needs to change? And is that change something that is possible, realistic, obtainable, uh, and then go from there. And until those conversations happen, uh, I think that we're going to keep seeing mm-hmm. these issues. One thing um, that was being floated around on social media, I'd like to get your perspective on it. It's, it's a couple of people are asking <clears throat> or stating perhaps a law enforcement officer should get like a, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice beforehand, much like any many other professional, uh, like a doctor, you know, obviously you can't do surgery. Well, I think it was more of a license. Oh, could be, well, yeah, that would be in well, there too. Like, but well, the, one I, the one I read was that you know get a bachelor's in criminal yeah. science before you well, become. Well, Holly a was cop. making a point where she has she has a license to nurse. And the nursing community has their own trial stuff. So if she causes any trouble and maybe like a mistake or, you know, insubordination kind of thing, her license up to lose. 
So once she loses her license, she can't go anywhere in the, I mean, like the state and maybe probably national. Oh, you, you see that with, you know, doctors too. They yeah. lose right. lawyers. So, so. That, that's already in place. Okay. Uh, so T. Cole is who licensed this. So What's and, the, who's that? Who's T. Uh, Cole? Texas Commission of Law Enforcement. Uh, so that's our, our state uh, licensing agency. Whenever you take your state exam, that's who gives you your license. Uh, you have certain uh, amount of CE hours that you have to complete uh, and put with T. Cole, and they're also the ones who mandate the certain training that you have to have and that type of thing. And you can file complaints, and if uh, certain things are found, then you can lose your license, okay? Uh, so a local story, you know, that we had was uh, when they were, so T. Cole uh, is who investigates certain agencies uh, beyond just complaints from citizens, but if there's something improper in the department, whether it's training or otherwise, they'll look at and they can actually decommission a police agency. Uh, they can take away someone's life. So that's the license part. Uh, to get to your other question of uh, do you need a bachelor's degree, uh, this is a, a conversation that uh, we have a lot. Uh, because, really? Okay. Uh, and actually we had, we had talked about it on the show before. Uh, and so the the best analogy that I have for it is we have a person who's regularly on crime scene today, which is uh, Jelly Rossi, who's a bloodstain expert uh, and has uh, not only been an expert in the field here, she teaches nationally. She has sat on a world organization for the standards and bloodstain and those type of things. She does not have a bachelor's degree. Okay? And she sat before the Texas Forensic Science Commission because they were discussing just this. Should you have a bachelor's degree to process a crime scene, to understand this or whatever. And she said, uh, I'm a couple of classes away from my bachelor's, which basically means what does it matter whether I have U.S. history mm -hmm. or this art class as to how I can process this crime scene, or does it matter more that I've had over 5,000 hours of training in bloodstain and crime scene process? So... Again, I've, I've asked administrators, say, okay, some that require a bachelor's degree. The common answer I usually get is, well, it means you, you finished something. It means <clears throat> that you stayed with something. And that seems to be the common answer I yeah. get. And I'm like, okay, well, what about the person who stayed with something, meaning that they didn't just take the 40-hour course of crime scene or blood stain, that they took four or five courses from different instructors. They truly became an expert in this specific area, no different than uh, a plumber or an electrician who is moving up the chain as they are learning as an apprentice and a master and these type of things. Um, what good is a bachelor's degree? Okay. Um, now, does it matter? As I, this is uh, the other thing that was used at HPD, Houston, uh, they required you to have 60 college hours before you could go to their academy for the longest time. They I remember had, that uh, back in my 30s because I flirted briefly with the idea. Then I realized who I was and it wasn't going to happen. Now, they, they had to go back to the legislature to change it. Okay. But they finally changed it to where you have 60 hours or you could have five years experience as a police officer. And the reason they changed it is because of their reason behind it to begin with. They said that uh, you needed 60 hours so that you – they felt – you would understand the police academy, mm -hmm. that you could understand the laws, you could write the reports, you could do all. So it was sort of a standard that if you've made it through 60 hours of college, then you should be able to get through the police academy. Right. 
which sort of went against the argument of if you'd already gone through a police academy, you'd been an officer for many years, then obviously you went through it already. So um, that's when they did away with that. Obviously, as we were having trouble hiring people and uh, no different in the nursing community and police, whenever things get low, they'll do the sign-on bonuses. I think Houston had one for 7000 Dallas had one for 10000 at one point. You think those Minneapolis well, also dudes the, had <clears throat> sign-on bonuses? <laughs> well, it's also in the private sector. I've noticed nowadays... And over the last couple of years, you go to Indeed or Monster or whatever, and more and more companies are saying bachelor's degree or comparable relative experience. Right. It used to just be, and I think because a lot of businesses realized, okay, I got this idiot who, you know, majored in French romance literature, right. which has its place in the world, don't get me wrong, but it has nothing to do with accounting. Well, so, And um, a challenge I usually will tell people on that is, so... I've had, you know, uh, close to 24 years in investigations, 10 of that being in homicide, crimes against children, sexual assault, and that type of thing, okay? And even though I'm currently working on a bachelor's, very close to it. Now, if one of your family members is sexually assaulted or murdered, do you want me <laughs> or do you want the guy who finished his bachelor's degree and just became a detective for the past year? Okay. Well, I'd want Dick to be my alibi. It'd be me. But... I'd be the vigilante. No, you'd just I, be my I, alibi. <laughs> Dick, I was with you all night. We were playing yeah. Halo, okay? Yeah, that, that won't fly. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> but, but I watch Law well, & Order. I know you, what's out there. Let me ask there. you this, though, Dana. Yeah. Where is, in, in the police hierarchy, does it require to have a higher education? Like, if I wanted to be chief of police, do they require the chief of police to have so, a bachelor's? Some do. Many do. And I think that that is where I do see a change happening. I see that in administrative roles uh, that are dealing with uh, different areas such as, and at that point, they usually are requiring a specific degree. Uh, if you're mm -hmm. a chief of police, they're looking at uh, public works. They're looking at public administration because understanding that they're going to be dealing with city budget, city administrators, and, and other things like that. I, I have seen that uh, at captain and chief levels, assistant chiefs, that they're requiring the bachelor's degree. Uh, and whether or not it's more helpful, the other uh, avenue on that most of the time, so we had a, a person come and talk at one of our classes. He was uh, from Exxon. And uh, one of the jobs that you can do after law enforcement for a little while is go to uh, be uh, work as one of these security consultants and stuff for Exxon to make way more than we make as police officers, but they require you to have a bachelor's degree. But the reason why has nothing to do with the bachelor's degree. It has more to do with, as he said, with a bachelor's degree, we've narrowed down our applicants to about 10,000 people. If we didn't have the bachelor's degree, we'd have many more. If we ask for a master's degree, then we'll have about 500 to go through. So I think just the same as a chief job that's posting all over the U.S., if I ask for a master's degree, I'm not going to have as many apply. I can narrow down the pool, yeah. uh, but does it make for a better chief? I don't know. Uh, I think that depending on your experience um, and what you've gone through and how you've uh, handled uh, your career up to that point, because there's chiefs that are a small agency of eight people, that does that city need a bachelor's degree? Or when you're dealing with the city of Houston, the third uh or fourth largest in the nation, um, 
you know, again, I think it's sort of weighing those. those well, I've known deals. too many PhDs who are just total idiots. And when I, whenever I job hunt, even if it says, like, you know, you must have a, two masters and a PhD, I'll still apply because I'll let my resume speak for itself. And I've actually gotten more interviews from that seeing, you know, the experience I do have. Well, I can tell you from currently attending the college courses, I will say this, and actually me and my wife talked about this the other day. If I would have gone and got my uh, bachelor's degree right out of high school, um, you know, what, what would you be, 22, something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm an administrator. Would I remember anything from what I learned at 22, <laughs> right? Oh, no. I got yeah, of University in 1986. So is it yeah. more advantageous now that I'm taking some of these classes many of them in diversity and different things of that as far as law enforcement, that I can hear them. French romance studies? Oh, yes, man. yes, that's, uh, that's one of the... <laughs> that's one of the it has its place in the world, okay? Back off. <laughs> but that I can take whatever I learn, and now I'm in a position to actually utilize that. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a bigger factor. Yeah. Um, you know, that was one of the things with... Uh, we attend um, one of the law enforcement leaderships in Texas. is called LEMAD. It's out of Sam Houston State. And it's the Bill Blackwood uh, Law Enforcement uh, Command College. Uh, it's nine weeks. It's three weeks at a time, and you go to Texas A&M Business School learning about budget. You'll head to Texas uh, Women's University and uh, about fitness and constitutional law and those type of things before you end up at SAM. It talks more about the law enforcement part of it. But through all of that training, okay, again, it, it's sort of to get everybody on the same page. But once you're at a certain level, meaning that I think it's a more benefit to go there when you're in a management spot, that when you hear something, when you hear something about budget, you hear something about what's happening in law enforcement, that you are in a position that you don't have to just say, well, that sounds good, if someone above me will listen. You know, if you're in that position, you can take that and say, yeah, we need to work on that. We need to implement that. We can take that back and do something with it. So, Cool. I uh, want to give a shout-out to Angie who's listening. Uh, listener Terry uh made a couple of notes. One, she says workforce, and I don't know if that means the Texas Workforce Commission or if that's an actual company called Workforce, provides tuition help for 21 certificate programs. These programs take approximately nine months, so there's that. But then she also asked that hopefully uh, you can come out and talk to the young adults that she teaches sometime. So I'll put you in sure. touch with, with uh, listener Terry. Terry Woods, we know her, we love her. Well, we got to be closing up today's show. No, Guys, no I'm minutes. having fun talking with Dan here. I wish I knew him back when he was Lieutenant Dan, because that's all I would call him. But he's Captain Sorry. Dan now, so it doesn't doesn't work. Well, you know, Lieutenant Dan got well, upgraded. Lieutenant Dan, I literally, just, he got his legs. How, how obnoxious was that when that when that movie was out? Uh, luckily, I was not a lieutenant then. <laughs> okay, so good. I was, I was oh, good. Man, <laughs> that would've been pretty funny. Well, I do want to let people know you have a show here on Lone Star Community Radio, a great podcast called Crime Scene Today. Uh, you talked a little bit about it during the show, so I encourage everybody to check out their show. I put the link to everything for Crime Scene today in the description. Uh, and I know you're with Precinct 3, which is the Woodlands area. Correct. And uh, so if, if, you know, if, if you have... That's my, my hood. So he's just happy that he knows somebody. I know. It's all these Conroe people up here. Finally, my, my peeps are up here with me. Okay. I, I do have one question. Sure. And I, w- I want to know, what's the logic behind unmarked cars? Are those cars that are, like, all white with the stickers that are all white? Yeah. Oh, with the, the reflectives? They call it ghost lettering. Yeah, yeah. but, like, whose idea was mean, that? That's just mean, man. Yeah, I feel like that's just being dis- dis- so I'll, deceitful. So I'll tell you two parts. One, it's usually traffic units. Yes. Obviously, it's to blend in uh, because I know it will uh, 
surprise you that most people will not just blow past a, a cop car and cut somebody off like they normally would uh, to you as a citizen. So it's blending in with traffic so that uh, they can see those type of behaviors. Uh, that's what it should be limited to. Uh, actually, for a, a period of time, uh, they had it on many cars uh, in uh, Montgomery County Precinct 3. And, of course, you get calls. I, I never see the cops patrolling. I never see them. I, well, of course you don't. There's no lettering on those cars. So that, that actually was changed. There's, That's uh, funny. <laughs> I think we actually have maybe one car that has ghost lettering on it, and it's an older car. And can you tell us where well, that car is at this moment in time? I, I can. I can. It is wherever you are speeding. It is two cars behind you. You should I know it's on to me. Well, it's personal. Well, when I saw that, I go, man, you know that that conversation, how that went, was just like, hey, we need to figure out how we can get these people, but we still need to have lettering on it so they know we're the police. But we need to make sure that lettering blends in with the car perfectly. And I'm thinking, right. like, whose idea was this one? Like, I understand you're trying to catch people <laughs> speeding and stuff, but it's like, I would just yeah. be upset that you're trying to be deceitful. But Yeah, I, I'm not sure where the conversation came. I can tell you they're, they're slowly faded out because it's, honestly, we have no trouble catching people oh, yeah. speeding or... <laughs> Running stop signs or... Is Montgomery uh, County ever going to get one of those, like, Lamborghinis I see in the DPS offices? It's always got that California Highway we, Patrol with yeah, the Lamborghini. We have one we can't talk about. Oh, well, I think that's... <laughs> don't they have to arrest somebody? Oh. Yeah, you did, yeah, I guess you got to... Yeah, that, that uh, asset re... Uh, forfeiture. Forfeiture, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a big topic here in a couple years, I bet. Oh, it already is. So, it already is. Just, uh, just watch season three of The Shield, and it'll discuss the whole thing. Oh, okay. is, that, is that where the answers are, or just the topic? A bit, a bit of both. It was where Glenn Close comes in and she does the whole, we're going to do AFID forfeiture on these, to, to fund the police department. And, of course, it's working, so administration fires her because she's a rabble-rouser. <laughs> yeah, because it's working. Well, I mean, I, it depends on where you live, I imagine. But, uh, all right, guys. Captain Dan, thank you so much for being in the studio with Dick us. And Skippy, we're hanging out in the studio on Friday. We got Joe from Joe's Italian going to come in. Uh, I believe he, we just want to have him in talk about what's going on with the, the restaurant, if they're open. And Joe, be on. under no obligation that you feel you have to bring us pasta primavera or your veal piccata plate because you don't have to for us to well, love that's you. That's nice to know. I'm just, you know, saying. Well, I asked Dan not to arrest you today, so I did that for you. Thank you. So there's that. But again, <laughs> Good, I can breathe now. I've been worried this whole hour. You've been listening to Dick and Skippy here on Lone Star Community Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll see you guys on Friday. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.